welcome back to the R Squared Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Akash. You can find me on Twitter at YZR underscore fantasy. And I'm Ian, and you can find me at Dynasty underscore IM on Twitter. We're here to break down everything that's been happening in the in football over the last week and look at some season-long trends, some weekly trends, and see uh, how we can make some actionable advice that can help you win your leagues. So let's get right into it. Thursday night game last week was the Bucks versus the Eagles, something interesting. AB barely played 50% of snaps um, on the year, I believe, but has the highest target share of all the Bucks wide receivers. He's a wide receiver two or wide receiver three. All, all three of, the, of them are while they're all healthy, but AB has considerable upside if one of Evans or Godwin goes down because he has such a high target rate per route so and if he can get on field more if one of the other wide receivers was to get hurt he'd get on the field on two wide receiver sets which means he would probably have some very high upside and evans ab both have um similar target shares as godwin but they have a lot higher air yard shares which means they're seeing more valuable targets meaning they have higher weekly upsides godwin needs probably needs more targets to hit the levels that they're at but he's not seeing more targets than them so he's lower on the totem pole in for fantasy points but they'll all be strapped for targets just because this is such a non-condensed offense it's such a especially with gronk coming back over the next couple weeks it's going to be hard for them to all have consistent fantasy production but they all have extremely high weekly ceilings so you can't really bench any of them you just got to take the good with the bad because that's really how it is with these guys leonard fournette he's a cheap workhorse the Bucks are five and one, and they used them a lot in their five wins. In their one loss, it was a lot of Giovanni Bernard in garbage time, getting a lot of targets. But this is a team that's going to win a lot. We expect them to win a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if they're favored in the most, if not all, of their games going forward. So that means Leonard Fournette is the workhorse. We only we also only have one game of Gio being the garbage time target uh, monster. And Leonard Fournette getting subbed out when the Bucks Bucks are losing, so we can't say for sure that he'll be subbed out when they're losing. But going forward, I would treat Leonard Fournette as a pretty cheap workhorse. Yeah, it's pretty hard not to buy Leonard Fournette, especially with where his value are, uh, is at. Plus, like you talked about, his usage on a really good team on a really good offense, and he's getting everything. So it's hard it's hard not to buy him. As for Philadelphia, he's. He's actually valued around where Miles Sanders is at right now. And Miles Sanders is actually a guy who's getting a ton of usage, but the offense just isn't there. So it's kind of the opposite where it's not a high-volume great offense. It's the exact opposite. But Miles Sanders last week, 86.7% of the ops, including 16.7% target share. So I don't really care what that's turning into fantasy-wise. When he's being valued around RB30, you're not going to find anyone else besides Leonard Fournette that's getting that sort of usage. It's more of just a situation thing that needs to be wrinkled out. It's not as much of a Miles Sanders issues, I'd say, at least for what his usage says. Uh, Jalen Hurts, who's been an adequate passer, just had his worst passing game yet. Didn't even record a 50 PFF grade, which isn't good. And most people already know, especially with Philadelphia, getting these high picks and they aren't attached to Hurts because of the draft capital. We're likely looking at a one-year rental, but that one-year rental has QB1 written all over him in fantasy. So it's more of a content. It's one of those weird contender moves that you make if, if you really need a quarterback just for this year. But the long-term outlook, as we've hit on many times on this show, just isn't there with Jalen Hurts. 
As for the rest of the offense, Devontae Smith, best option uh, in the passing games. He's going to be a good beta. He sits around that. He's at a 22.1% target share on the year. He, he, he gets a lot of that. It's not, he's pretty consistent, I would say. He's always around that 20%. But it's just it's not a good offense, so it's hard to score more. He's But the problem is he's overvalued because of the name Devontae Smith. He's wide receiver 14 on keep trade cut, which I, I want to like Devontae, but with how much he's being overvalued, it's, it's really hard to even have a Devontae share without selling him. And finally, they traded Zach Ertz this week. We saw Zach Ertz without Goddard, and he had a 25% target share last week. Now we're going to get Goddard without Ertz. I'm expecting a little boost, but it's not something I'm going out and buying, trying to acquire, because Goddard is still in that tight end wasteland that we, we pretty much want to avoid. I would say for Goddard, there's um I have some interest in him just because with the Ertz trade, you see him, you'll see him running more routes, and he's always been good on a targets per route basis. And so there's a decent there's a there's a chance that he uh, creeps up in production and value so everyone knows that there are there already his value is already at the point where it, sh- it would be if there was no earth already but now we could see him finally have the production to match the value of around tight end six to tight end eight that's really what i'd expect from him which is right where he's being valued he's like or at least looking at keep trade cut he's like right under that elite tier right under that kittle andrews hawkinson tier he's right there with that right and then um also for the Eagles, Kenny Gainwell, I had some hopes that he would be somewhat of a PPR back, but in the last couple of weeks, the trend has been mostly Miles Sanders, and Kenny Gainwell is not really being used in the receiving game when they're down, which is what I was hoping for, some negative game trips. So going forward, I started Kenny Gainwell in a couple of leagues. I wouldn't do that going forward. Well, moving on to the Miami Dolphins, another guy who I thought could be more than what he is and is turning into a receiving back is Miles Gaskin. He's still the best receiving back they have. He has a 14% target share on the year. He's running more than double the routes as either of Ahmed or Malcolm Brown, but the rushing is just, it's not there. There's some games where Gaskin sees a majority of the rushing work. There's some games where they all see equal. It's just a mess really. And that would make Gaskin uh, an RB3, not something you immediately want to start, but he has some PPR value just because he is that receiving back. 14% target share in an okay offense is enough to get you some bi-week filler production, some plug-in 2020 JD McKissick production, I guess, even if there is no rushing work. But some weeks there will be some rushing work. So I wouldn't overly panic on Gaskin just because he has a decent floor of rushing, but a lot of people are panicking on him. And Jalen Waddle. I had some concerns about the average of the target when his ADOT was plummeting with Jacoby Brissett, but with Tua, he has an ADOT of 9.2, which is solid. It's what you want to see. And with Brissett, he has an average ADOT of 3.4, which is horrible. So going forward, if we continue to see this, I will stop worrying about his average of the target, but it's something to monitor going forward since we only have a two-game sample of him playing with Tua. So there's a significant discrepancy. And if he can stay in the range of ADOT that he's had with two of around nine or in that range, he can be decently productive, but on a 20 to 22% target share is what I expect for the rest of the season. It's at 22% now. He's probably, you're probably looking at a wide receiver three season. I think that's a reasonable expectation for him. And I think that he's probably still overvalued on dynasty rankings on keep trade cut at wide receiver 18 prices. I would probably look to get out of it. He's being decently productive though. So 
it's not an immediate sell if he continues to produce. And then Tua Tungvaloa, it's a hard evaluation this year since we only have two games of Tua, but the take, the take on Tua preseason was his rookie season wasn't as bad as people were making it out to be compared to other rookie seasons. I think he was a bit overshadowed by Herbert and Burrow, and the Dolphins did him no favor with what they did with the situation, throwing him to the fire with the weapons they had, pulling him out of game sometimes. And I would probably still look to maybe buy or at least hold because he's been playing pretty well. well of course, we only have two-game sample size, but if he continues to play well, he could be a low QB1. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually right there with you on Tua. He's probably closer to hold, but I think in leagues he has a wide range of values, and if you can get him more on that like back-end value, like around the 20s, QB20s, I'm definitely buying. That last game he did have an 81 pass grade, which is really good. I mean, not and especially for a second game of the season that or a second full game of the season, there's not too many guys that are hitting 80-plus a decent amount of times, and that's definitely something Tua can do. So I don't mind buying Tua. I think I might go out this week and see if I can get him for a little cheaper. Then looking at Jacksonville, speaking of ADOT, it was disappointing to see Visca's drop down to 5.9 after we just saw it rise and in that range that we wanted. Despite his 24.4% target share this week, it just wasn't super effective because his ADOT was so low and he didn't get into the end zone. Um, Lawrence had his best game yet. Definitely something to expect is games like this. He had a 76.5 PFF pass grade, which is the best he's had and one of the best uh, rookies, um, rookie games at quarterback this season. And then Marvin Jones, one of the guys he's passing to, he's he's a good elder wide receiver. He's up there for someone. If you're a contender, I don't mind spending a third round pick to get him just because his track record says he's productive. He's been productive. And now Lawrence is starting to get a little better, a little more equipped with the NFL game, which is usually what happens with these rookie quarterbacks. And then hitting on James Robinson, he's looking like a mid-tier back-end RB1. Again, he's not going to get the crazy, crazy usage he got last year. But right now he's sitting at a 74.1 opportunity share, 10.1% target share. That's just in that good usage that's back-end slash mid-tier RB1. And I think that's exactly what you want from J-Rob, who's also a hold. Yeah, James Robinson, Leonard Fournette, Daryl Henderson all fit into the category of semi-workhorse usage for the year and a little bit of situation uncertainty that keeps their price low, making them good buys to contenders. And they have decent upside if this if usage continues into the next year and the years after that, which could possibly happen since they're all playing pretty well. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers game, Green Bay is a really easy evaluation every week. It's Adams, 36% target share is absolutely insane. The rest of the season, he's my wide receiver one. Only two touchdowns on 66 targets means regression on that front. Not like Cooper Cup, who's the current wide receiver one who has six touchdowns on however many targets he has. Well, he'll, regret, he'll regress the other way. Rodgers is a low QB one with his efficiency and middle of the pack volume. Aaron Jones is the same opportunity share pretty much that he's seen last year with 60% of of the carries, 13% target share last year at 55% of the carries and a 13% target share. Really, really an easy evaluation. And Robert Tunyon is just not living up to the expectations that he had. Everyone thought he would regress, but not to this extent. And he's pretty much become a non-factor, droppable in redraft, hold in dynasty just in case he has a few splash, splash games that drive his value up a little bit, but looking like a non-factor right now. 
Yeah, and then just to add on Adams one more time, you and me talked on this podcast a few weeks ago about how it's really hard not to see Devontae Adams as the wide receiver one yet again, which leads me to say if you're a, cont- a clear-cut contender, overpay a little bit for Devontae Adams because you can feel really confident knowing you're going to get wide, very top-end wide receiver one production week in and week out, and it also means someone else in your league doesn't have him. And you're already a clear-cut contender. Adding someone like Devontae Adams, even if you have to overpay, is definitely something I'm looking to do because you're just way above the edge at that point. And then looking at Chicago, speaking of wide receivers, Allen Robinson was good this game. He had a 28% target share, 1.96 yard per team's pass attempt, which is right on that, like, two, which is where you say, like, that's pretty elite. And then I looked at his year stats this week. He had a 20 on the season, 24.8% target share, 1.57 yards per pass attempt, which is like right around where he is his entire career. That's pretty, his uh, yards per team pass attempts a little under his career average, but target share is right there, which leads me to say what Allen Robinson's doing isn't actually an Allen Robinson problem. It's an offensive problem, such low volume. Uh, Justin Fields hasn't, he's playing like a rookie quarterback in, he hasn't been good. He had a 59.5 PFF grade this week, but the rushing attempts keep him keep him viable. But Allen Robinson's been good. You just need the offense to be good, and that's definitely not a guarantee. But with how much his value is just plummeting right now, I'm finding it really hard not to start just sending out offers because Allen Robinson's good. He hasn't fallen off. He's still 28, and his production this year even says he's good. The offense just isn't good. And then looking at Khalil Herbert, he got 100% of the ops, which is something that he only had because the backup went down and he didn't go down at the beginning of the week. He went down with COVID halfway through the week. So Clue Herbert saw 100% of the ops. Probably will never see that again in his career, but just worth noting. Yeah, Allen Robinson, just looking at his price right now, you can get you can get him for Henry Ruggs, just straight up. Just send Henry Ruggs. If you're trying to win now and you have Henry Ruggs, then – Go send it for Allen Robinson because there's a very high chance that Henry Ruggs maybe doesn't maintain his high production on only mostly only deep targets. And Allen Robinson, pretty good chance that he eventually bounces back into wide, low wide receiver one, high wide receiver two production. Same range as Robert Woods, who's just a year older and probably a wide receiver two, whereas we know Allen Robinson can have that higher low wide receiver one production. So both those guys I would consider sending for Allen Robinson. And just to hit on that buying if you're a contender thing, Allen Robinson's price is starting to get to the point where no matter the status of your team, I'm looking to send offers out here pretty close. He's right on that fringe where like it doesn't matter. Something I did with Odell Beckham where he's just valued so low, I don't really care if I am have an orphan or I'm rebuilding or whatever. It's just so low, it's hard not to take that because his production's so good at some point. That's not going to be how low his value actually is. Yeah, the peripherals are there that for both of them, OBJ and Allen Robinson, where you say, this is a guy that, based on his peripherals, target share, yards per team attempt, area yard market share, he'll bounce back to better production eventually, and that's what you buy because when with the better production, the value increase will eventually follow, and no matter what you're doing, if you're trying to win now, you can use the production. If you're trying to rebuild, then you can use that value. So I like it. Moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals game. Jamar Chase, 24% target share as a rookie in his first six games is is very good. And rookies, over the course of the year, statistically tend to get better as the year goes on. So this is this could be only the beginning for Jamar Chase's spectacular season. We know he had a 
transcendent profile in college, a, ma a massive hit for the Bulletproof process. It was just a tremendous hit. If you didn't listen to buying Jamar Chase, it may be too late, but you can always go try to send an offer out because right now he's keep his cut wide receiver two. And I think he'll stay there for a while. He may even jump to wide receiver one by the end of the season. Who knows? T. Higgins, don't be scared off by Jamar Chase's tremendous production. Higgins missed some time. He still has a 23% target share on the year, and that's with leaving some games early, and that's with playing limited snaps. Week one, he left to get an IV, only 74% of the snaps. Shoulder injury kept him out of weeks three and four. In his return in week five, he only played 70% of the snaps. And in their week six blowout, all the starters got pulled out early and Higgins only played 57% of the snaps. So I'm not worried about Higgins. We know his range of outcomes and needs process was very good. His, his range of outcomes in my process was very good. He has upside to be a low wide receiver one, even while Chase continues to dominate. And we know that Joe Burrow is also very good. Right, right now, Joe Burrow, seventh in PFF passing grade, 11th in completion percentage over expected. So both of these wide receivers are tied to a very good QB and they both have the potential to produce wide receiver one numbers. So I would not be scared away from T Higgins just because Jamar Chase is doing well because this offense can support two wide receivers. Joe Mixon, if you remove the game with limited snaps in week five, where he only played 29% of the snaps, has an 11% target share, 73% of the opportunity share, that carries decent upside, which he may not hit just based on his career. He's, you know, inefficiency isn't sticky, but if he's inefficient, he'll still be a low RB1. And Chris Evans seems like a decent receiving back right now. He has a PFF receiving rate of 89, despite a low sample size of only eight targets. But if he can develop into a good receiving back, he could eventually carve out a role. I don't hate it as a dark throw in Dynasty. Maybe he's available, maybe not. Maybe you send a fourth or a third to get him if you need, uh, if you're rebuilding and you want to take some shots on a running back. Yeah, and then for a team that's not good, uh, Detroit is just really bad. Um, they are getting game scripted into high volume, which is really helpful for guys like when you have DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson because they're seeing a lot more volume than they would because their neutral pass frequency is not super high, but because of how much they've been down. And an interesting point is last week was the first time they had an offensive snap with the lead. That just shows how much they're getting game scripted into forcing to throw the ball, which just helped guys like Swift, who last week had a 17.9% target share. He's at 185 on the season. But the big thing for Swift, he had 76.9% of the ops. I believe that's his season high. He's at 57.2% on the season, which is really good signs because I think we can assume around like 60 plus percent of the ops, which is really, really good and definitely a top five dynasty wide receiver. I have a top three. It's just hard with this. This is Kamara-esque usage with possibly even more rushing than Kamara's got and during his peak of, of fantasy rel or fantasy eliteness. Um, we saw a good TJ Hawkinson. He had a 28.2% target share last week, and with the high volume, you definitely love to see it. As for something you don't love to see, Jared Goff, he's, his PFF passing grade on the season, very low. He's behind Jacoby Brissett. He's right there with Sam Darnold, so... I wish, I wish he kind of had that beginning of the season pop because on my dynasty teams, I do have a few more Goff than Darnold, and I would have loved to get out of him for a first. But it looks like Goff is eyeing that backup quarterback job in 2022, especially with how bad the lines are. It's hard to see him not drafting a, a quarterback. And then this wide receiver room is really just a crapshoot. Uh, 
Amon Ross St. Brown, I believe, was top wide receiver this week. Um, but each week, I feel like we're talking about a different wide receiver being the top wide receiver. And at the end of the day, it, it just doesn't really matter because none of them are actually good at football. Yeah, and they'll just replace them next year. They'll just use the Rams first and draft someone like Traylon Burks if he's available or Garrett Wilson or something. That's just it, It's probably not going to matter who their wide receiver one is. You just want to focus on Hawk and Swift. Those are their wide receiver ones. So Yeah, for Goff, I think... I don't know about his job security could extend a little bit longer just because the 2022 QB class is so weak that they might not be able to or might not want to draft a QB with their pick. I believe they're 0-6, right, which would yeah. put them at their they're, work in football. Yeah, they're at number one. And as bad as this QB class like looks in 2022, Jared Goff is no good, and with them having the number one pick, it's just really hard not to see them using that on a quarterback. But nah, they could easily take uh, Thibodeau. He's um, Thibodeau's a elite. I don't do much Devi or defense, but you know everyone says he's elite. It's just like the Browns in 2017 when they passed on the QBs, got Miles Garrett, came back the next year, then got their franchise QB in Baker Mayfield. So I could see them passing on a QB, but for Goff, he's not playing well at all. So. Moving on to the Houston Texans, they're really every week we just say, all right, it's the Brandon Cook show. He has a 33% target share, which is terrific. It's a win now dynasty buy, probably because the target share will lead to production. Like, like target share always does, he's a wide receiver two at worst at wide receiver 40 to 45 prices. So if you can send a second to get Brandon Cooks, I think it's a good win now move. And the second highest target share on the year, I kid you not, Anthony Miller, who's currently on the Steelers practice squad. Other than that, it's a mess. You know, I think their wide receiver two now is Nico Collins, who's finally off IR. And he's a rookie, has some decent upside. I don't know, he's a 6'4", not good college profile, but he's cheap and has upside if he is good at football he can be like chase claypool and have a bad profile but still hit david johnson with a 10 percent target share is interesting only because he could be an rb3 if ingram who's their leading rusher goes down and he gets more work in the rushing game but right now none of them are relevant and neither is davis mills who continues to play poorly who is 33rd in pff passing grade and 29th in in a completion percentage over expected so Really no one of note except Brandon Cooks, as always. Yeah, and I think actually the scariest part of Brandon Cooks, because you can feel really safe about his target share and what he's going to get, and at, they're going to get game scripted into high volume, just like Detroit was. Like They were getting blown out and ended up having to throw a lot, which isn't what they, they want to do, as they've shown us. I think the biggest scary part with Brandon Cooks is just that he gets traded for, for draft capital. But looking on the other side of the wall, Colts destroyed him, but... Everyone's up in arms about JT's usage. I think it's still pretty good. He's still at that 60% opportunity share, 11.1% target share on the season, which is something you really like to see because the thing about JT was he wasn't seeing passes, but he's seeing that he's a really good talent. He's seeing good usage. You can lock him into like a mid RB1 finish. But I think the thing that gets mixed up, because now that CMC is not consensus RB1 anymore for the first time in a while, JT's name's getting thrown around there. And as much as I love him, someone that's not catching a prolific amount of passes like JT, and he's not seeing like a very, very, very nice percentage of uh, the ops, it's really hard to put him there because 
like you said, targets are so valuable that when you don't, when you're seeing like 12%, it's hard to be the RB one as much as I love him. But I guess the real question would be why, why is Marlon Mack eating into it? He had a 17.9% opportunity share. It's just, it's really weird to see because they know, and we both know how good JT is. Naheem Hines already eats into passing work because he's really good at catching passes. Just doesn't make sense that Marlon Mack's eating into some of those carries and a few of those uh, targets. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. They're probably then, showcasing him for a trade or that, seeing that, that's do. the hope. Right. I think they've been in contact with Kansas City, so I think Marlon Mack gets dealt. JT goes back to goes from like sixty to seventy percent of the opportunities. Which would be really great to see because even if you don't get the high pass catching mark, if you're getting seventy percent of the ops and you're a really good talent, it's really hard not to just be a high end RB one finish but so looking at the wide receivers for indianapolis uh michael pittman jr who's someone that we've been talking about kind of getting close to that buy range where we've comped him to Cortland sutton where it wasn't a great prospect profile but they're getting a high target share in their second year and they're kind of breaking out it was really tough to see ty hilton come back lead the team in targets and kind of leave michael pittman jr with the 16 percent target share on the week it, it definitely wasn't something you want to see, and it'll be really interesting looking at it going into next week. Yeah, for Pittman, it's, um, you know, if he is going to be good, he's not going to have to be worried about T.Y. Hilton eating into his target share. He's just going to body him in the receiving game because T.Y. Hilton's a 30-year-old beta and Pittman is a 22-year-old alpha. So if he is good, he shouldn't be affected by Hilton, but if he is, he might move back into the cell range if people don't adjust quickly. But if he can bounce back well next week, he'll continue to be a buy. It's just something to monitor. Uh, I just had one more thing that I missed. Uh, Wentz was really good this week. He had a 94.2 PFF grade, and I saw he got named by PFF as the offensive player of the week. Not saying Wentz is really good, but he he looks nothing like last year's self. And just looking at his grades over over the season, especially compared to last year, he he looks like a viable option. Yeah, Wentz last year was like neck and neck competing with Sam Darnold for worst QB in the league, and now he's back to being an above average QB, which is always good to see. He's a it's a good bounce back. No, I don't. Is it worth a first? Maybe. I think he has some sticking power in Indianapolis, so. That's good. You got a starting QB two for cheap if you bought him when everyone was panicking last year, and he'll continue to be that. All right, podcast listeners, now's the time. Are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, they will not leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. They're giving away new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That's TPPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you can win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win. Just use promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Moving on to the LA Rams, we kept saying last week how Daryl Henderson was a workhorse in disguise, and he 
paid it off with a multi-touchdown day, top five weeks, 73% of the opportunities. So he continues to see workhorse usage. I don't see why this won't continue for the rest of the season because he's playing well. And if it continues, which I believe it will, it'll lead to a low RB1 finish for Henderson. I know there's some situation uncertainty, which I touched on to begin, uh, earlier in the episode. There's some situation uncertainty with the return of Cam Akers. I still think that Akers was better before the Achilles injury. It's just interesting to see how he'll recover from it because we know how Achilles can affect RB's explosiveness, their production, their efficiency. So if Henderson continues to play well, I think that and uh, Akers is really affected by this Achilles injury, I think Henderson could easily remain as the RB1. So he's a buy for a contender, and he may just carry over some of that production into next year. And same as last week, what we said, Stafford with good efficiency and high volume will end up as a mid to low QB1, depending on the touchdown rate. Right now, his touchdown rate is 8%, which is third in the league. So high efficiency will get you better numbers, obviously. He can end up as a mid or even high QB1 uh, like Rodgers last year. Cooper Cup, I wanted to ask you this. His lowest target share of the year is 29%, and the rest of the games are all pretty well over 30%. Eventually, we'll have to put him into discussion for top five rest of the season wide receivers if he continues to put this up. How much do you need to see from Cooper Cup to rank him there to put him in that discussion? I mean, I probably just won't just because there's – he'll be French. I mean, it's hard. He's definitely a wide receiver one rest of season. It's just five. this – oh, yeah. It, the target really tough one. The volume's there. If he continues to see this, like I know it defies all of his earlier crew production where he was at a much lower target share range. It was like 22 to 24% target share, right? So this would be a complete turnaround, a complete improvement at his age 28 season. But if he continues to do this, he'll finish the year as a, as a top five wide receiver. He'll be like the Stefan Diggs of this year, and he'll end up as a top seven dynasty wide receiver at the end of the year. So. Yeah, just to add to that, I, I talked with uh, Gavin. A lot of people probably know him on Twitter as Bloody Sunday. But we had a Woods and Cup conversation before the season, and I said Woods over Cup because he's continually had a slightly higher target share, and Cup's been the one with such a high TD rate compared to Woods. And I said Woods this year because he's had the higher TD, uh, the higher target share. His TD rate just been really low, and I think with Stafford coming in, that changes it. And I was right on Woods is the worst part. He's he's at that 22% target share, which is just where he's been his whole career. And now he has the highest TD rate of his career. So I nailed that. But what I didn't nail was that Cup is like sleeping with Stafford because it kind of just defies his whole career. Like it, it, it's a really weird thing because you just see this massive spike at his age 28 season, like you said. Yeah, it's the breakfast factor. We didn't factor in the fact that they eat breakfast together. That's a... Mistake on our part. Sincerely apologize. We've got to take that into account going forward. But Yeah, we'll definitely have to look into breakfast dates, and I'll make sure to put those in my spreadsheets that don't account for it right now. And then looking at the, the Giants who got absolutely smoked this game, it was tough to see Tony get hurt, especially after he, he got three targets before he went down really early. And he's someone who I've been trying to keep a close eye on because what he's doing right now doesn't even reflect anyone who's had uh, any first rounder who's had the grade that he got coming into where I labeled him as a bust, similar to guys like Tavon Austin and stuff like that in the first round. But he, he's looked really good, so it was really disappointing to see him go down. And it sounds – I've heard it was serious according to the report from Adam Schefter, 
So we'll definitely have to look at that, which again, it's just too bad. And then looking at another disappointment, it's Evan Ingram. I was, I was decently high on him compared to where his value was in the preseason because he's been a 20, 22% target share guy his entire career. He was really good as a rookie. And now New York Giants have piled up all these injuries to where they're playing guys like Dante Pettis and Colin Johnson. And those are two guys who out-targeted him last week. So it is pretty disappointing to see his 10.4% week, uh, 10.4% target share in week six. You definitely don't love to see it, especially when they had such low options to, to compete with. Booker's usage without Saquon is good. I feel comfortable starting him, especially now that we're getting into the thick of injuries and buys. I definitely feel comfortable starting Devontae Booker. 76.2% opportunities with 8.3% target share. That's good usage, and they won't be they won't be as dismantled or score as little as they did this last week. So I feel good starting Booker from when Saquon's out. And then Daniel Jones was just really bad. Horrible. We like him because he has Konami code, but this week he had a three rush attempts and just an absolutely abysmal 38.1 PFF grade. It's not reflective of who he's been this year, so... We're hoping that it's not the Daniel Jones of the past and that this year really was a turning point because he is someone who actually has Konami code. Yeah, for Tony, I said that if he was to continue to play well, it would be like Brandon Ayuk last year. And the reasons we like Brandon Ayuk, I know Brandon Ayuk through six weeks hasn't been the most impressive. He's been pretty disappointing relative to my expectations. A lot of people had expectations for him. But if Tony can earn targets and be productive despite what we didn't like about him coming into the season and despite what people will say about how he only produced when all the tar- other targets were hurt, then he'll, he's a guy that I'll eventually start to like. And it sucks to see him hurt just because I want to get as large of a sample of him as I can to see if he can be productive because it's a lot easier to evaluate a sample of 14 games or 12 games than it is to do six or eight games. So I heard that he's going to avoid IR, which is good. It means it's less than three weeks. It could be as little as one game missed. So if he can come back uh, after a week missed and continue to be productive like he was uh, the couple weeks before and on that first drive of the Rams game, then he's a guy that I'll eventually have to start liking. I'll start moving him up and start buying in more because he has some upside. He's he's an alpha, barely an alpha, but he is still an alpha. He's a first-rounder. So there's some upside for Kadarius Tony. And – um. We're going to move on to the Kansas City Chiefs game. Always, always an easy evaluation for them. Tyreek is Tyreek Hill. Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. Something interesting, Mahomes uh, has a higher points per game right now than his 2018 historic breakout season, which was the most productive QB season in fantasy. He's also on pace for 51 passing touchdowns, which would break his career high of 50. Darrell Williams saw 76% of the opportunities in the absence of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Rush for a couple of touchdowns, 8.5% target share will do nicely. It'll be fine. But that was the same target share as Jarek McKinney. So they're splitting the receiving work last week. And with those kind of opportunities, he'll be in RB2 while Clyde Edwards-Alaire is out. And I saw some takes on Twitter. I saw a lot of them, actually, that uh, Daryl Williams is better than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And that probably isn't true. Of course, there's uh, anything is possible. Maybe he is better, but I wouldn't say that quite yet. It's just a backup filling in for a starter, seeing the majority of opportunities and falling into the end zone a couple times. 
Yeah, you're definitely right that every week the Chiefs are one of the easiest ones to dissect because of the Chiefs. They are who they are. And if you do own players on the Chiefs, you should absolutely love that their defense is so bad because that's why Mahomes is on pace because he has to do that. In 2018, like you said, they were just so good, the whole team, but this defense is absolutely atrocious to where they're passing a ton. They already were, but they need these touchdowns. They need all that because he has a 74 PFF passing grade in his three seasons prior, 90.6, 86.4, 92.4. Mahomes isn't isn't there yet to where who he's been, yet he's on pace to beat these things because their defense has just been that atrocious. And then looking at Washington, speaking of atrocious, Heineke, not good. We've reiterated that. He's just he's not a good quarterback. When Ryan Fitzpatrick is back, he'll be the quarterback. Heineke didn't take his job or anything like that, which would be good for Terry McLaurin, who continually just produces, puts up good target shares. It was only 20% this week and actually behind J.D. McKissick, but 28-2% on the year, 2.1 yards per team of pass attempt, which is in that elite range. And his value has just been going down because, because of Heineke, he doesn't have that elite, elite dynasty wide receiver one production you're looking for, but everything else says he is. And so it's always a good time to buy Terry McLaurin. Um, I bought him, I think I brought it up last week for Claypool and Cooks. I'd do it again. I'd make moves like that because his value is falling because of his his output, but I don't think that's on him. It's it's an Allen Robinson situation where he hasn't been as bad as Allen Robinson, if that makes sense. Um, we saw Gibson get banged up. McKissick was already taking the passing work, so with Gibson banged up, he took over 60% of the ops, and he led the team in targets. So if Gibson were to miss any time, it's so hard not to just fire up McKissick and just feel really good about that week because he's already someone who catches a lot of passes. I think the McKissick thing is also a beneficiary of the injuries to Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel. I think De'Ami Brown played but was still banged up before, so... Going back to Danny McKissick, going back to the 2020 version of him where he was the second target in this offense pretty much and just PPR every single week. You just fire him up and he'll get you 10 catches or something. It's crazy. Moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, Justin Jefferson is still elite with a 26% target share. Adam Thielen is still a relatively productive event with a 22% target share. Of course, Thielen will have his weeks where he isn't the where he isn't as productive, that's just how it is when you're a wide receiver too, but he'll have some good weeks. It's not something that I ever panic about. At some point, his value gets low enough where I'll just let him retire on my teams just because he'll, he keeps producing and the value is just low right now. Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook. 80% of the opportunities, 11% target share. That'll lead to being a top three running back, especially with the injuries to Barkley and CMC. It's really just... It's Derrick Henry, and then it's Dalvin Cook, unless I'm missing anyone. Kirk Cousins is third in PFF passing grade, 15th in completion percentage over expected. He very well may sneak into the top 12 QBs just based on if his touchdown rate ends up in a good spot. He's a good QB2. If not, he's cheap in Superflex. I believe he has more job security than people realize just because he's a better QB than people realize and good QBs get starting jobs no matter what even if he isn't on the vikings and decide to move on from him for some reason he'll still get a starting job somewhere else that's just how it is tyler conklin with a 13 percent target share has his moments but better left as a streaming option kj osborne probably better left on your waiver wire maybe pick him up if you want a bye week fill in with all the bye week hell going on but 
it's, it's KJ Osborne with a 50% target share. It's just not going to be much production week to week. Yeah, definitely agreed there. And then looking at Carolina, Sam Darnold of the past and the Sam Darnold that we know is back, and he's been back for a few weeks now. He got the fluky beginning of the season. People were trading first-round picks for him. It just doesn't look good. He's right there with Goff in terms of PFF passing, and he's one of the worst non-rookies passers that we have. So like we brought up earlier, it's hard to see him not – or hard to see him as a starting quarterback next season, but I guess we can't look that far ahead. And then looking at DJ Moore, 30%. Uh, he's right under a 30% target share, 296 on the season, just absolute stud. This is the DJ Moore that we kind of expected, actually, just to fully break out. Um, he's not going to be targeted out-targeted by Robbie Anderson or anyone else here. He's just that dude. But speaking of Robbie Anderson, I saw a pretty big name on Twitter. I won't say any names that were just absolutely mocking Robbie Anderson because he had one yards per target. But especially just on a one-week sample size, that's just not a wide receiver stat, and that's absolutely brutal. His ADOT was 8.6. That's healthy. Last week, he had a 28.2% target share. That's healthy. So I don't think you could put that on Robbie Anderson. And if, if you could get him for just absolutely nothing, like definitely do it because he's still someone who's earning targets, and they're not cheap targets. Their 8.6 ADOT is, is healthy targets. Those aren't undervalued by any sort of the imagination. And then Chuba got great usage with Saquon or with CMC out 90.5% of the ops and a 7.7% target share would like to see a little bit more targets, but with that percent of the ops, I mean, that's something you absolutely just plug and play, plug and play. Um, if you get a good offer for him, I'd, I'd take it because it's, it's a short term thing, but yeah, he's getting great usage and someone you should definitely feel comfortable with starting. Yeah. For Chuba Hubbard, I'm disappointed they didn't have a higher target share, especially with, um, Rodney Smith being released, he was the guy that was running more routes than Chuba Hubbard. So I would expect with the usage that Chuba got that he ran more routes. I guess he just didn't get targeted. That may come. So Chuba's definitely a plug-and-play while CMC's hurt. For Robbie Anderson, it's kind of a zig when they zag type of thing where he had a bad first few weeks. And if the person who rosters Robbie Anderson is looking to get out from him after one boom week or a week where he had a few targets, then they might say, okay, I can finally get out from him because he's going to go back to doing nothing. And you could say, I'm going to buy for a third or even less just because I need some cheap production, some depth for these bye weeks. So someone's looking to get out from him. You can pounce on that for super cheap. He's probably cheaper than the vets who are producing already. These guys like Marvin Jones are a bit older, but they're more productive. And so Robbie Anderson may even be cheaper just because he isn't producing, but we know he could potentially produce. Then uh, moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers, just a bad day for the whole offense. Just not something to overly worry about because we know that these are four really good players. Herbert's good. Eckler's good. Keenan's good. Mike Williams is good. Keenan's target share of... 24% isn't what I expected going into the year. I was expecting more like 26 to 28%. But it's, it'll lead to okay, like high wide receiver two numbers. This is like, he's basically Robert Woods now. So that's it's okay. I mean, it's not great. His dynasty price is falling. So maybe you could, if you want to buy in hopes that he returns. But Mike Williams also seeing a target share of 20, 23%, which will lend itself to wide receiver two numbers probably because... He also sees a higher portion of the air yards. So if he's going to see a higher weighted opportunity rating, there's potential for more production. He could see low wide receiver one production, but 
I believe I expect the touchdown rate to eventually come down and Austin Eckler still sees a target share. I'll keep him in top five RB conversation as well as the consistent improvements in the rushing game throughout his career. He's doing really well on the ground right now. Despite the bad game, Herbert's still ninth in PFF passing grade. Should bounce back well next week. We know he's a good QB, so just don't panic. Really just a bad week for the whole offense that you can just write off as a bad week. Yeah, I, I just called this one an outlier game for them because Herbert won't be this bad and Allen and Williams won't get this low of a target share. So Eckler was great. He got great usage. But other than that, it's an outlier week for them, especially because we know they're good. And then looking at Baltimore, man, seeing Rashad Bateman have the highest or tied for the highest with Mark Andrews on target with target share on 65.2% of the snaps was just awesome to see. Some you absolutely love to see. He's still a bit undervalued. He's not as undervalued as before when he wasn't playing, but he was an elite prospect. He's about as close to an alpha that's like technically a beta, and it could be COVID weight or something like that, but he's about as close to an alpha that's not that we have. He's an elite prospect. Like You should definitely be buying if he's still out there being sold. And then this backfield, just absolutely ugly backfield split. They split the opportunity shares about three ways. None of them are catching a decent amount of passes, especially because it's not like that high passing volume anyways. So it's just you don't really want anyone in this ugly backfield. You kind of need touchdowns. And although they'll get them, can't really predict which ones are going to get them. So it's it's just an ugly backfield split that I don't mind having no part of. And then Lamar just wasn't a great passer, which is actually unusual because he's been a really good passer this year. Going into last week, he was top six in PFF passing grade. Just wasn't his week, and he's actually a good passer. Those eight rush attempts just make for a crazy floor. I would actually chalk this up under weird games, sort of. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. And um, I was thinking either or for Rashad Bateman, just looking at keep trade cut. Would you rather have Pittman or Bateman? Bateman. All right, Lockett or Bateman? Bateman. MT or Bateman? MT. All right, all right. Rondale Moore or Bateman? Bateman. All right. Um, who else is in, this, is in that range? Mike Evans or Rashad Bateman? I think I'll go Bateman there. Okay. All right. I'm. I definitely am encouraged by what we've seen in the targets per route run department this week. And once he gets back up to a full complement of snaps, I believe we could see some consistent improvement throughout the year. We know these rookies improved throughout the year, and um, even with at the how well Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews are playing, there's still room for Bateman to be productive in this offense, especially with the fact that they're passing more than they've done in the past especially like with the RB injuries and their defense not being as good. Then uh, next we have the Arizona Cardinals game. Speaking of elite rushing QBs, Kyler should be in the conversation of near elite, not only on the ground, but through the air. He's fourth in PFF passing grade so far through the season, first in completion percentage over expected. That's absolutely insane. We know what he can do on the ground. He's performing very well in the passing department so that has upside of the qb1 and probably puts his floor around qb5 which is absolutely fantastic more four wide receiver sets this week which was expected with the injury of max williams but that'll come down once earth starts playing which probably leaves rondo more in a less than favorable opportunity so it probably takes him off the field sometimes probably takes christian kirk off the field a bit AJ Green looks to be their wide receiver too. He's cheap production. 
that you can get for free, just like a bunch of other veterans. And I suspect James Conner will continue to see more and more of the backfield work as the weeks go on. Chase Edmonds, his decline in the rushing department, I believe it has something to do with the shoulder injury that he sustained a couple weeks ago, and they've really been limiting his work in the rushing game. So if he continues to be banged up, it's James Conner probably is an RB3, doesn't do much in the receiving game, needs a touchdown, etc. But J- Chase Edmonds is not a guy I'd be overly comfortable starting because he goes back to what his role was last year where he's not seeing much in the rushing work. He's just seeing the receiving work. So that puts him in like the conversation of the Naeem Hines of the world instead of the maybe this guy can be like Miles Gaskin last year. Yeah, in my notes, I actually put the Edmonds and Connors starting to look a lot more like Edmonds and Drake, which yeah. isn't surprising. It's the same same coaching staff, same same system, so it's not surprising that they want to use Connor. How they use the guy that they lost, so it, it's not encouraging for Edmonds. But to say he's anything other than Naheem Hines is is hard to do. But it's not a totally bad thing considering how low his uh, his value was, and he's still someone that could get like a twenty percent target share in a week, which. Is, it's huge. Yeah, he has a, he's a better rusher than Hines, I think. But if the coach wants to give him less carries, they will just because carries are given. And if he continues to be banged up, he'll probably see less carries just because they've done this season after season. He gets less rushing work after he gets a little banged up. So, Yeah. And then looking at Cleveland, um, they're seriously banged up. They got Ch- uh, Chubb was already down, Hunt's down. Baker's banged up. I, I heard that he says he's good to play for Thursday, but I guess we'll see. Um, but looking at their weapons like Odell, he had a 25.8 target share last week, 2.55 yards per team pass attempt, and his value actually went down. He's now on the second page of keep trade cut wider series. is like wider receiver 56, I believe, which is just abysmally too low, way too low for Odell, especially because there's these rumors that, he wants out like the situations are ever changing and his talent is still clearly there. There's nothing that said his talent isn't there. So Odell is someone that I would be aggressively buying if you haven't started already. Um, it looks like Dearness Johnson's going to lead the backfield for week seven, just because they don't have a ton of options. He's not someone that catches passes. So it's not a sexy option. Uh, Felton catches passes, but he's not someone they've been using in the backfield. They've been using him as a wide receiver, zero rush attempts on the air, but he does have that RB, um, tag on on sleeper and espn i'm not sure about the others but he has that rb tag which means you could potentially start a wide receiver that's going to get a decent amount of targets for a banged up offense you hope next week so it's just a really banged up team and all i could say is buy odell yep i'm uh, looking at this right now i'm gonna say if you wasted a second rounder on amara sam brown this is your chance to get out of it and go trade Amara St. Brown for Odell Beckham because we have a good idea that Amara St. Brown is going to be the third option this year and maybe productive some weeks, but probably not productive some weeks, and then probably not a focal point or even much of an impact player next year when they bring in better wide receivers. And we know Odell Beckham still has talent and the situation is ever-changing. This is a a move that I would do in a heartbeat. Brian Edwards, another guy right next to him, in keep trade cut. Sterling Shepard. This is it's just insane. Like, buy Odell Beckham. Just easy. I'll repeat it until he breaks out because he'll eventually break out with the opportunity he's seeing. Moving on to the 
Las Vegas Raiders, rugs within eight out of 18.4. It looks like an expensive version of Marquez Valdez Scantling. It's just not something I'm very interested at the prices of wide receiver 34 in Dynasty. He has weekly upside, obviously, because he's gonna see so much he's gonna see the deep targets that lead to production occasionally. So he only needs a couple of targets to be productive in a given week, but long-term sustainability over the season, I don't foresee sustained production on this kind of opportunity. Waller's target share of 24% is enough to keep him in contention for a top five tight end, but probably not enough to push for the production that we saw last year for Waller, where he was like at 17 points per game. Probably not at that level if this target share sticks, but He's still an every week start, obviously, not someone to panic about because he is one of the few tight ends who carries elite production and elite value. Derek Carr is having a sneaky good season. It's like very sneaky good, like sixth in PFF passing grade, middle of the pack volume. He's still a cheap QB2. And I don't know, there was a lot of um, Carr's value being pushed down with the rumors that Gruden didn't like him and that he was going to replace him. Well, Gruden's gone, and Carr is playing pretty well. So he's a very cheap buy. He'll continue to be cheap because he's not a sexy name, doesn't have much much upside. He's basically a cheap version of Mac Jones, but that's emphasis on the word cheap because he is very cheap. Yeah, and then looking at Denver, uh, they were the opposite of uh, Vegas. Vegas was just so good that they didn't need a high pass volume at all, especially because they were never trailing. They were always up by a decent amount, and they're a team that, has been having a decent amount of volume. So I expect that to rise. And for someone like Waller, who continually sees like 25% of the targets, it's and when you're not getting in the end zone, it's just going to be one of those weeks. But he's still the clear-cut alpha and a decently high-volume offense with the quarterback who's actually, like you said, been pretty freaking good. Um, Denver, on the other hand, they had to throw a lot because they were down the whole game. But that helped a guy like Cortland Sutton, who just straight alpha yet near a 30% target share, 1.92 yards per team pass attempt. Just really good. He's the Cortland Sutton who we said is really good, and his value just isn't rising, and I would actually have to say that's probably because Jerry Judy's returning and people are worried about that. Don't let it scare you off. Sutton, I believe, and has shown that he's still the alpha in this offense. I believe when Judy returns, he won't. He might not see continually 30% target share weeks, but he's still the alpha in this offense, so – Take that for you, Will. He's still undervalued, and it's hard not to see him be undervalued when Judy's hasn't came back yet and shit any time. Um, Javante and Melvin Gordon are still an even split. Uh, they're both getting about 50% of the ops, 7% of the targets on a week-in, week-out basis. It's a pretty low ceiling, to be honest, but Melvin Gordon's been decent, and we know Javante is a good prospect and should break out. The problem is that Melvin Gordon's still there, and it's not that he doesn't deserve to be there because he's been – He's been adequate, so it's it's just hard to see when the breakout is because Melvin Gordon's been good. And then one more person that's been good, Noah Fant, 22.1% target share. He was the number one tight end in fantasy points last week. That's the ceiling that we think Fant can hit uh, pretty close to a regular basis because he's an athletic tight end with a good profile. Yeah, Noah Fant, I'm continuously baffled by what to make of him just because I know he has that kind of upside, but there's a lot of other variables that I don't always look at for a lot of tight ends, but the people that I talk to that look at tight ends more than me or in different ways than me, they say that like these things are going to limit Noah Pant. So I like him um, 
the way that I evaluate tight ends and receivers give me reasons to like them, but it's still, I expect him to not hit that upside, I think, but there is always a chance that he does. And then we have the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas offense is not hitting the immense heights that people expected from them at the beginning of the season. People are expecting them to throw 40 times a game, their defense to be bad, and like C.D. Lamb to hit a 26% target share. It's just not happening. They're passing 36 times a game. Defense is good. Lamb has a 23% target share, which is it's pretty good. It's decent. It's It'll work for low wide receiver one numbers, high wide receiver two numbers, but it won't live up to the preseason expectations that people had, but he still keep trade cuts wide receiver three, which tells me something has eventually got to give it. Either people continuously hype up Lamb going into next year too, as well, they'll continue, continue to have these unreasonable expectations for him, or his value will eventually start to fall from the wide receiver three on keep trade cut. I think you can make an argument for a few other players above him on, uh, in that are below him on keep trade cut, like guys like DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill. Schultz is still a mid to low tight end one. The target share is fine. The offense is good. He'll be productive all year, most likely. Cooper is a, he's looking like a mid to low wide receiver too, like he's been with his, over his entire career with a target share of 20. He's always been that fake alpha. So his price on Keijer Cut's still around wide receiver 20. It's just, I don't know, it's maybe something I'd try to get out of while people, he still has a lot of like name value, right? But I don't know. The hype has always been higher than Amari Cooper. Speaking of hype, that might be the same story with CD Lamb. He's probably, Right now, he just seems like a guy that you want to like, but he's just so overhyped. Like, he's good, but wide receiver three overall in value is just it's not something you really want to do. Um, looking at New England, they just had gross pass volume this week for a team that's had such high volume. They only had 21 pass attempts this week, um, which didn't help guys like Jacoby Myers, Mr. Alpha himself with a 30% target share. Like, no one is receiving like Jacoby Myers is on this team, and I don't expect anyone to do that. No one, no one's touching his his target share. He's over ten percent higher than the second closest person. So yeah, on this team, he's Mister Alpha. It just sucks that Mac Jones is someone who isn't passing the ball downfield. He's one of the lower guys with a dot. We just needed that high pass volume, and it wasn't there this week. Although they've been doing it this season, so we can hope that the pass volume increases compared to last weekend and gets much more around closer to their average. Plus, Jacoby Myers just can't get into the end zone. I don't get it. He got into the end zone this week, and I was very excited about it, and then he gets called back for, I believe, holding. So I think there's something out there to get Jacoby Myers. who's just a continual producer, still an undervalued guy. Just get the man into the end zone. Um, it, was, it was a little disappointing. Brandon Bolden's been their uh, pass catching back, which Bill Belichick has been someone who uses a predominantly pass catcher and a predominantly rusher with he uses Harris in the rushing game. He gets a high percentage of the ops, but he doesn't do much in the receiving game, and that's been Bolden for the couple weeks. This week we saw it was Ramondre Stevenson with the targets out of the backfield, 15% target share. So for someone who's young, that's much more likely to stick. Still holding on to Bolden, but Ramondre Stevenson – there's a chance as the guy that catches those out of the backfield. And Mac was actually really good. He's, he's a low, it was low volume, low A dot, but a 92.7 pass grade is still pretty good. Yeah. For Ramondre Stevenson, I didn't like him as a prospect. He was actually a pretty bad prospect. Day three guy who had to, I believe, transfer just to get some more opportunities. So 
Um, I didn't like him, but if he can be a decent receiving back and then eventually start creeping into Damian Harris's rushing workload, he can start to gain value and uh, has decent upside. He has a guy that can see like 10 carries and three or four targets. And if Damian Harris was to get injured, he's a he's a good stash just to see what happens just because we're seeing the usage in the receiving game early. And then um, next we have the CLC Hawks. Lockett and DK are still the focal points of this offense. There's been a slight downgrade, obviously, due to Geno Smith instead of Russell Wilson. Huge downgrade in QB play, but it won't always affect production. They both had similar. They both had the same target share last week, even though Lockett obviously wasn't very good on his target share. He still had the same amount of target share, which is what we chased. So I wouldn't sit Tyler Lockett because he produced poorly with Geno Smith last week. I would just downgrade him a little bit if you have a bunch of studs you'd probably end up sitting him just because he has a lower floor with this bad qb play but he's still a good wide receiver who should produce good wide receiver two numbers i'd expect alex collins if he's healthy he should be an rb2 he got the opportunities to be an rb2 but if he's not healthy maybe there's hope for rashad penny if he comes back DJ Dallas is a good receiver. We know that he's a converted wide receiver who saw a 16% target share last week. He's He could be on a lot of dynasty waiver wires. He was on a couple of mine the week before, so maybe look to see if he's still there just because there's some there's a potential for him to carve out a decent receiving role because he is a good receiver. Yeah, and especially if Alex Collins is banged up, he could also see those carries. And like you said, we already know he's someone who could receive, and he had a 16.1% target share last week. Like, even if the offense isn't great, that's still good usage, and someone should probably fire up, especially if Collins is a little banged up. Um, looking at Pittsburgh, I was just looking through today, and it hit me that Ben Roethlisberger is a worse Mac Jones. It's really weird to say, but low dot guy, way less accurate than Mac Jones has been and has no rushing value whatsoever, but it doesn't matter. We shouldn't have Ben Roethlisberger for any sort of good fantasy team, but just thought it was interesting to throw out there. Um, but this offense, will we're likely seeing Ben not be the quarterback next year just because he's been terrible. He wasn't that good last year, and he just doesn't get the ball downfield. And all those things combined make for a drastic change no matter what it is because right now we're seeing such high pass volume such low a dot and he's just chucking it down a lot to Najee harris or deontay johnson who Najee harris wasn't projected to be a good wide receiver because he doesn't profile as one so right now i have that dj and Najee are both redraft gold but they're pretty close to dynasty cells because their their value is being taken with the production they have when i think that's more the the ceiling of the production is more attributed to to ben's lack of being a good quarterback than it is to their own profile. So I think they'll be a really good rest of the season in 2022 or beyond. I think they're dynasty selves. Who would you sell them for? I have a quite a bit of Deontay Johnson because I liked him going into the air. Like, what would you what would you sell him for? Like Chris yeah, Godwin? I think, I think just, I'd take that. Yeah, possibly. I mean, Chris Godwin's a guy who I don't have a lot of uh shares of just because his value is so high when he's in a he's in a timeshare right now with Evans and Antonio Brown, actually the worst of them. But Deontay yeah. Johnson, I don't mind getting like an MT plus Cortland Sutton plus because he's being valued as a wide receiver two when those guys are being valued as wide receiver threes. But yeah. 
Uh, if you're a contender, especially like with Najee, like I, I'm not sure I'm moving him, but it's also really hard when he's valued as a wide receiver t- or RB2. And so you could literally trade him for like Swift plus, like pretty much anyone plus. And it's, it's feels impossible not to do that. Right. Yeah. For um, Deontay, he's right around the Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins range. He's above guys like Debo, Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle. It's just it's interesting. A lot of guys in that range that I don't like, but then you scroll down, there's a few people that I do like. T. Higgins is falling drastically. Corlin Sutton's there. Mike Evans is probably maybe a buy. Like a lot of the reason to like the Bucks wide receivers is because we know they're all talented, and the fact that both AB and Chris Godwin are going to be free agents after this year. I believe both of them, right? But that would lead to them obviously seeing an increase in production because eventually they're going to not be able to keep everyone together. And eventually, probably we expect Tom Brady to retire and them to just break the band up. So, Yeah, and you brought up T. Higgins and you were looking through that range. I think everyone around T. Higgins' range on there, I would trade for T. Higgins. So. Oh, easily. You can he's, a, he's a huge buy this week. Yeah, Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle. T. Higgins, that's insane. This and it's not bad. just straight up. I believe they're like a decent amount higher yeah. than him. Yeah, you can like add a second or something. It's insane. Another discrepancy, like DJ Moore plus a first instead of CD Lamb. Like you trade Lamb for DJ Moore plus a first. Like that's ideal to me because Lamb, he's only because DJ Moore is a year older, only one year, but he's seeing a lot higher of a target share. The offense has similar volume, higher yards per team attempt. He's just more productive at the same age. And so, obviously, if you produce more at the same age, your dynasty value is probably going to end up higher at the end of the year. After that quick tangent, we move over to the Buffalo Bills game. That that was an amazing game, by the way. Derrick Henry is just different. Eventually, he's just going to keep owning analytics every single year, every single week, but... On the Bills' side, there's some digs. Positive regression finally hits. The touchdown luck. The 26% target share on the year makes him top eight wide receiver for the rest of the season. Josh Allen's still a top three quarterback. Gabe Davis has little impact on the offense every week. Maybe the Dawson Knox hand injury that keeps him that'll keep him out for a week or maybe a couple weeks. Maybe that leads to more four wide receiver sets that gets Gabe Davis on the field, but. That just probably means more for Beasley and Manuel Sanders. They have weekly flex appeal in this offense. That's really good. And I, I'm still not interested in Gabriel Davis. Moss and Singletary are still 50-50 split. After last week, it was looking like it was trending towards Moss, who saw 65% of the opportunities compared to Singletary's 35. But this week, it was 55 to 45. So it's really, I don't like Singletary just because he's not seeing any of the red zone work. If they're going to be in a time, if they're going to be in a timeshare 50-50 split, I'll like Moss more because he's seeing all the red zone work. But both have little receiving upside, target shares of eight, which is nothing special. It's just the opportunities there for some solid game, just not much. Yeah, and then you hit the point on Derrick Henry, which this may sound crazy, but I, I want to add that I had Derrick Henry listed as a sell this week, not because he hasn't been really good. He's been absolutely historical. But last year, we saw him be absolutely historical. He had a great finish. And yet we saw his dynasty value or his keep trade cut value just plummet, like RB 15, 16 right after the season because of the fears. 
And I don't see how a year older, he's, he's being historic again, but we see his value right now, RB4. And after a historic season last year, when he was a year younger, it absolutely plummeted after the season. So I think if you can trade him right now for anywhere close to who's around his value, like a Swift, JT, like even, even like Nashi, like anything like that, I definitely like because they are high-end producers who will have uh, who project have a much safer and uh, higher sustained value because we've already seen what happened to Derrick Henry after a historic season and he's having another historic season. So it's not a knock on him. It's just it's just seeing what the value's done. It's hard not to see it do it again. I guess. Yeah, it's just analyzing the market. Like last year, in um, the same time frame, like end of October, beginning of November, he was the RB three in keep trade cut and by january he was the rb10 and by april he was the rb12 so we're just seeing the same thing again where right now it's derrick henry at the rb4 and a guy like say javante williams at the rb10 so by the end of the uh year not the end of the year by like march or april i think we could see their values just completely flip just because as we enter the offseason people start to lean into ageism a bit more. They start to favor the youth. And so Derrick Henry, he's producing now. He's an immediate sell if you're not contending, obviously. And uh, if you're just trying to play the market, he's a sell in that regard too. Yeah. You can get, I mean, you won't get maybe Derrick Henry production, but like literally selling him for a Swift Plus, you'll get similar production to Plus and longevity or a higher mm-hmm. sustained chance of that that high value. Like It's, it's just really hard not to do. Mm-hmm. Because and like, then... Even if he keeps producing, like next year in his age, what twenty eight season, even if he keeps producing, you still have an opportunity to probably buy him back over the off season. Yeah, exactly. For just way cheaper than what you sold him for, because I guarantee you, in the off season, you can't trade him for Swift. Right now, you can get him for Swift Plus. Yeah. So, and then the rest of the Titans team, uh, we did see Julio go down with the hamstring. Hopefully, he's back. And it's a low volume uh, offense as it's always been, but. If there is no Julio and AJB's back, it's what it looks like. He just had a 36% target share that week. I think we get into where the at the preseason people were talking about how AJ Brown could put up this this crazy high target share because there's no one else around him. Yeah, if Julio's not going to be there for a bit, like AJ Brown's clear cut high end wide receiver one on a weekly basis. So Yeah, it's like I think Julio might be moving into I don't know about maybe maybe you could sell maybe maybe not just depending on who's buying but repeated hamstring injuries last year kept him out throughout the entire season he played a little bit but then left again this year it's the same thing he already hurt his hamstring came back hurt it again this is just going to be a repeated thing these things linger they get re-injured quickly easily and so and um if he was to injure again he could miss even more time so at the age of 32, this is um, unfortunately maybe seeing the decline of Julio Jones. Hope not, because he's a great player and I'm a Falcons fan, and I would hate to see him decline. But these injuries, hamstring injuries, pile up, and they will lead to a decline in play and decline in playing time. Hate to see it. Yeah, but it will probably lead to AJ Brown higher ceiling, even with yeah. the low, yeah. even with the low pass volume, mm-hmm. like. They're not. They're not going to be a team like 
they're not taking the Ravens leap where they just gradually got a bit higher than the the past volume they've been stuck at. Titans are clearly like Derrick Henry is one of those running backs that actually like looks like he makes a giant difference, which you can't say for running backs. So it's hard to blame them. But yeah, if, if AJ Brown's gonna eat thirty percent of even a low pass volume, who cares? You still get a lot of fantasy points from that. And he's someone who's been falling in keep trade to cut. Like at one point he was wide receiver ten last week. Like I know that that's not where AJ Brown should be because he's such a perennial young talent. Yeah, exactly. He should be around the like he should be around cd lamb dk metcalf area like and that's where he was at the beginning of the season but he's he missed a little bit of time at the beginning of the season the production was there for a couple weeks and people just hit the panic button and decided to drop him down but you should return back to that range soon i think that about wraps it up we uh got to talk about every team a little bit more just because there are a couple bye weeks if we have four or less teams playing we have like 10 extra minutes to talk about the other team. So that's good. Next week we have a lot more buys, which means a lot more talking about the teams that do play. So go ahead, go down. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead, hit subscribe, like leave a comment. If you want us to answer, we'll try to answer some comments. If you have any questions, if you're listening on any of the streaming platforms, make sure to follow, download the episodes, everything. And enjoy your day, your night, whenever you're listening to see you next week. Have a good one.